Welcome. You are listening to a recording provided for the use of the blind and print impaired. Materials or items read on Airs LA are the copyright property of the original authors and publishers. No unauthorized use or duplication is permitted. I'm Ernesto Sambrano. Today's article is by Noah Johnson from the November 2022 edition of GQ, The Legend of the World's Greatest Sweatshirt, Part 2. Please note, this is a men's magazine and as such may include offensive topics or language. Much of Camber's surging popularity stems from the increased demand for made-in-the-USA products, a demand that's not felt just domestically, but in Europe and especially Asia. In the late 90s and early aughts, the brands A Bathing Ape, Neighborhood, WTAPS, and Undercover established a new generation of streetwear in Japan, one dedicated to the kind of high-quality clothes their founders geeked out on, vintage American-made Champion, Levi's, and Hanes. By the early 2000s, Many of those Japanese brands were printing their logos on camber sweatshirts. American workwear carries a certain cachet in Europe, too. Basile Kadiri, co-founder of Beige Habillure, a haberdashery in Paris, sells camber sweats to his high-end clientele. Made in the USA is very much appreciated in France and Europe, he tells me. Products that have a specific or historic reason to be made in the U.S. They are perceived as made to last, with a functional beauty. Kadiri says the first camber order he got into the store five years ago sold out in two weeks. Now people come in regularly asking for its sweatshirts, but they'll be lucky to find any. Kadiri says he's been waiting a year for his restock. Alex Dondero of LQQ Studio, a New York-based streetwear brand that produces a custom-designed hoodie with camber, tells me that he owns 20 of the brand's hoodies. There's just not a better fitting and feeling hoodie out there, really, he says. You could spend years developing your own custom pattern. Find the mill that makes a similar weight and type of grain that his fleece has, but then at that point, you're just circling back to what camber is. Dondero says that working with camber hasn't always been the most expedient business decision for him. Long wait times, large minimum order requirements, and a higher price point make it a complicated proposition for small brands like his, but he sees beyond the bottom line. Once you make a better item, you can't go back, he says. You can't start selling something that's lesser quality, because you'll betray the trust that you built with your customer. When we decided to start doing more with Camber, we knew that trust would never be betrayed. For all the ways that Barry Schwartz shrewdly steered his business into the future, one development he could never have fully predicted is the essential role that hooded sweatshirts have come to play around the world. Plenty of factors have led to the hoodie becoming the bedrock of global fashion, the preeminence of streetwear, the advent of athleisure, and an acceptance of a more casual business wardrobe. But the pandemic created an unprecedented frenzy around sweats entire world, the label launched in 2018 by fashion industry darling Scott Sternberg, prompted a rash of articles with headlines like, Sweatpants Forever. In March 2020, Sternberg's sales grew over 600% from the previous year. He was selling out sweats as fast as his e-com site could restock them, but his company struggled to secure fundraising, and in October 2021, Sternberg announced that entire world was going out of business. For many brands, selling what you make just isn't enough. Investors want to see scale, and the reality is that the American textile manufacturing system typically doesn't support the kind of scale that an ambitious business like Entire World seeks. As of 2016, there were still nearly 6,200 apparel manufacturing firms in the U.S., but over half had fewer than five employees. Their products must be tailored to people who have particular appreciation for certain attributes. American-made garments are considered to be more environmentally and socially responsible, less likely to have been made by workers earning low wages in dangerous conditions, and shoppers are willing to pay a premium for these goods. But a business with, 
say, a staff of four, simply isn't able to produce and distribute on a mass scale. Over 96% of clothing purchased in the U.S. is imported. Made in the USA is a niche market. Over the years, Schwartz has been able to tack and jibe in the face of shifting winds to avoid a number of the challenges that have doomed other companies. He has scaled his business to a healthy size, about $4 million in annual revenue, and resisted the kind of growth that would force him to move his operation overseas. He's partnered with one of the few remaining high-quality fabric suppliers. He's established healthy markets abroad, while also specializing in a product that the U.S. is known for, and that many American businesses might be inclined to support. One of Schwartz's most loyal American clients is Greenfield Fence, out of Oceanside, California. The company's president, Mike McLaughlin, orders anywhere from sixty dollars to $100,000 in apparel each year from Camber for his crew of 130 workers, including high-visibility safety shirts. Not just because Camber meets California's strict laws regarding the exact shades and brightness of fluorescent oranges and yellows required for job sites, but because for McLaughlin, the quality of the product is worth the premium. Surely he could be saving thousands of dollars buying less expensive, likely imported t-shirts and sweatshirts for his crew, but he gets something distinctive from Camber. The quality means something, he says. The men wear it every day. He spent time installing fences himself, so he knows firsthand. In the world of workwear clothing, Camber would be Ralph Lauren Purple Label, he tells me, referring to RL's super high-end Italian-made fashion line. The way it fits, the material. In general, it's a better product than anything else you'll find, especially the sweatshirts. If a person were to purchase a Camber sweatshirt and work in it and wash it 35 times, he will never wear another sweatshirt. McLaughlin says that the patriotic element of supporting an American-made business is nice, but it's not the complete picture. If there was something made in another country that was equal to the quality, I would entertain it, he says, but there just isn't. Every three months, McLaughlin supplies his workers with five new shirts, always printed with the Greenfield logo. The old shirts, he says, are so good that they make their way to other job sites. I see my Greenfield shirts everywhere, he says. They have friends, cousins, uncles, whoever, stealing the shirts. I go ask where they got their shirt, and they just say, these are the best. Schwartz has equally strong bonds to a devoted base of small, independent American retailers. People like Wayne Orr, who has been selling Camber in his shop on Main Street in Branchville, New Jersey, since the very beginning. Orr's Clothes for Country Living is the kind of mom-and-pop store that once could be found in any American town. When I visit one recent afternoon, I'm greeted by Orr himself, a man in his 70s with the frosted look and jolly demeanor of an off-duty Santa Claus. He bought the place and renamed it in 1976 and says people still come from all over the world to browse the flannel shirts, dungarees, and work boots in his little shop with creaky wood floors. And of course, they come for camber. Or met Barry and Leo Schwartz in the late 70s, before they had even turned their apparel wholesaling business into the brand camber, and he was one of the first to place an order of thermal line sweatshirts. They turned out to be like-minded as businessmen. Just as Schwartz did all his own sales to retailers, or and his family members have personally sold every item in his store. That, he says, is how he's managed to keep his shop open all these years, through the explosion of malls and big-box stores, the rise of e-com and free next-day shipping, and then through the pandemic. Or doesn't even have a web store, and yet the past two years, he says, have been his best ever. Although Camber is revered for its quality among certain consumers, Orr tells me that most people who come into his shop looking for a sweatshirt have never heard of the brand. But, he says, once I get it on them, they never go back. In fact, during our chat, 
a guy comes in looking to stock up on Carhartt t-shirts. I immediately recognize the navy crewneck sweatshirt that he's wearing as a camber crossing it. I ask him if it is. I have no idea, he says. What's camber? He pulls out the tag, and sure enough, it's camber. I love it, he says. Best sweatshirt I've ever owned. He works as a carpenter, and has had the camber sweatshirt for years. Probably bought it at Orr's. Now I know where to go when I need a new one, he says, which raises one problem with making a sweatshirt that lasts for 20 years. They hardly ever need to be replaced. Despite the spike in demand Schwartz has seen, he's done little to increase production. For decades, his operation has run steadily at full capacity, with 48 employees, including cutters, sewers, and packers, working regular shifts five days a week. In recent years, to boost production somewhat, Schwartz has added time to the weekday shifts and an additional half shift on Saturdays. But a radical change like creating another sewing room or hiring a new crew to work a night shift would require another Barry Schwartz to oversee it all. And the quality would take a hit, a possibility he's not willing to entertain. That's what I've been working toward all these years, he says. At the camber factory, after chatting in Schwartz's office, I get curious to see the actual operation. The cutters and sewers and the sweatshirts themselves. So Schwartz takes me, along with Carrie Heller of the Michigan-based All USA Clothing, one of Camber's main American sales partners, on a tour of the factory. He points to stacks of boxes 15 feet tall, each packed with coveted Camber wares, a mere fraction of the inventory he had before the flood, he says. Upstairs, we walk through the cutting room, where we watch the production manager, Jose Zayas, a 25-year veteran of Camber who worked with Leo Schwartz before the company moved to Norristown cut through a stack of fabric as thick as a mattress with a 10-inch power saw that runs at 20,000 RPM. He does this by hand, tracing the lines on a paper stencil of the pattern pieces with precision. About 300 sweatshirts worth of pattern pieces will be cut in a day. The panels of fabric, a sleeve, a hood, the front of the body, are numbered for color consistency and sent to the sewing room. And it's in the sewing room where, over the course of an hour, you can see the entire process of how a camber sweatshirt is made how it goes from a pile of fabric to a bagged and tagged garment, how the pocket is attached to the body, how the sleeves are sewn on with the famous camber double-needle cross-stitch, then the side panels, which are attached with the six-needle machine. Much of what Schwartz knows about running an apparel factory he learned from Leo, his father, who worked with him at Camber until 2013, the year before he died at the age of 92. We used to joke that he could and would do everything, Schwartz says. So we had a hat we would write down different job titles on. Hundreds of them. Longevity is part of the Camber story. Most employees stay with the company for years. And Schwartz makes it appealing to stay, sharing profits with his workers, giving them a percentage determined by their base pay, and paying them time and a half for overtime hours, which most employees happily earn. Workers aren't given incentives to be more productive, and they aren't being monitored by their productivity. We have a really humanitarian concept here, Schwartz tells me. If you become really good at something, then we're going to give you a better job position, a better machine. That is important to us. People want to strive to move up. Heller, who speaks with Schwartz multiple times daily, tells me that Schwartz has a close bond with his employees. It's not unusual for me to be on the phone with Barry and a family member of an employee calls him on the main camera line to relate a message to someone in the sewing room because the employee forgot their cell phone, Heller says. That's the kind of place the camera is. The pride Schwartz feels in his workers and garments they make is particularly evident in the last stage of the manufacturing process. Every camber piece says Made in USA in five different places and is individually bagged when it leaves the sewing rooms. 
Then it's stacked into inventory before being packed into a box along with the rest of an order and shipped out. Almost all fashion is fast these days. Most brands release two to four new seasons each year, while some crank out new collections weekly, introducing entirely new styles and colors and fabrics and concepts for the masses to obsess over and buy and tire of all within a few months. For that cycle to continue at the pace the industry demands, clothes must be designed and made quickly. Then they must be distributed, sold, and delivered with even greater speed. Is the fashion industry hustling to keep up with us? Or are we being forced to keep up with it? We've been promised that we won't have to wait to get what we want. But the question is, do we even want what's being sold? Camber's success provides a simple truth. If you make really good clothes, people will wait for them. It's even made me think that we should be skeptical of anything that doesn't take a little while to reach us. At one point, I asked Schwartz how he balances two disparate facets of his business. The workwear supplier and the fashion brand that has some of the best boutiques around the world eagerly awaiting his next drop. Well, he says, how do I measure fashion? Camber is a thing that people want. They feel comfortable in it. And whether they want to call it fashion or function, people have said to me, so what are you going to do for spring? And I go, we just do what we do. That brings us to the end of today's article, The Legend of the World's Greatest Sweatshirt, Part 2. If you want to learn more about AirZLA and the types of programs we offer, follow us by clicking on any of the social media links at the top of our webpages. If you like what you see or hear, please click the like button. This podcast is for the sole use of our blind, low vision, and print-impaired listeners. Any unauthorized use is prohibited. I'm Ernesto Sambrano, and I'll be back soon with another article. Thanks for listening.